0: The following podcast is an edition of the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, which was recorded live on the show floor at MacWorld Expo on Thursday, January eighth. The audio overmodulates for the first just couple minutes uh, until I was able to go over to the recorder and bring the gain down. So uh, bear with us for the first uh, minute or two during the introductions, and then as soon as John starts talking about something, I was able to go over and fix it. All right, uh, on with the show. When do we start? Five minutes ago. Uh, Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming. Uh, This will be MacGeekGab number 186.
1: For January 8th, 2009. Good. Thank you.
0: For those of you. How many of you were here? I know I see some familiar faces. How many of you were here the the other day? Okay. Wow. So it's, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's not uh, not the same, exactly the same crowd, which is good. Uh, Though we are talking about different things. We are here live on the show floor, for those of you listening at home, in Booth, uh, the Learning Center, which is Booth 3236, which really won't matter if you're listening at home, but that's where we are anyway, For uh, so the record may stand. <clears throat> Today, the focus of the show will be John and I talking about things that we found uh, interesting and notable on the show floor, and then any tangents that come up, and, uh, and then we'll take some questions in. And when we say take questions, we mean we'll take questions, anything. Now, the rule is, though, and we work this out with the other people, so we've got to make sure we have it straight. Any question is acceptable so long as any answer is acceptable.
1: <laughs> is that fair? Are we, Yeah, we can do that? Okay. Well, we guarantee to give an answer, it may not be the right answer.
0: Or even a relevant
1: answer. Yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> and plus, I'm going on about 90 minutes of sleep. Ooh,
1: yeah, yeah, you didn't sleep. I thought Why you'd be exhausted. I, I know. Did anybody, was anybody at the party last night? He was going nuts. My gosh, I don't believe you were... Uh...
0: I, I, I fell asleep at 3, woke up at like 4, 4.30, and nice to see you. Here I am. And I did a session. Was anybody at that session this morning at 11 a.m. over in uh, the West Hall? No, they're all still over there in the West <clears> Hall, aren't they? Okay, so it's a whole different vibe. The sessions are worthwhile, you know... Um, it, it, it's an excellent part of, of Macworld Expo, and it, it really I know it, it costs a little bit extra, so uh, it may not fit into budgets or travel plans or, or any of that, but <clears throat> and I don't say this simply because I do them. Uh, there are sessions I go to as well. All, this, all the presenters are excellent. so uh, all right there's my pitch. I don't get anything from them for saying that, but I'll say it anyway. All right, okay. so John, what did you find on the show floor?
1: All right, we're, we're gonna dive right in. I'm gonna give some things that I note on the show floor. Some of these, you'll see articles on MacObserver.com, of course, about these. And some, uh, I may write articles. I'm trying to write them as quickly as possible. Um, the first thing that I saw, maybe it is one of the cooler things here. Uh, I believe they're over here in this hall, Microvision. Um, it's a projector for Microvision, uh, a small portable projector I don't have the name of it off top, but, it, but it's Microvision and you should stop by. But it's really about the size of an iPod. Um, and the cool thing about it is that it uses lasers. Um, so rather than using uh, lighting and optics, it uses lasers. The, uh, the one side effect of this is that you don't need to focus it, which is really kind of bizarre. When you see these guys show it, no focus required, no matter where you are, close, far, it just projects, and because it's using laser light versus other light, um, you're going to get some colors that you probably couldn't get from a uh, regular projector uh, or bulb-based or LED-based. So, so it
0: just projects flat on a on any surface. Is that yeah? Basically, it. So if I was on an airplane and I had sure. my, my iPhone with me, I could project it onto the seat back in front of me sure. or something. Really?
1: Yeah, and let's see why really? not. Um, it has a lithium-ion rechargeable battery. It'll go about two hours, so you could probably get most movies. Sure. Uh, a lot of movies, but um, but it's pretty innovative. And uh, again, they're using lasers, a new technology here. Because I've seen some other project- portable projectors, and they really don't do that great. Like 3M makes one, and they don't do that great unless you're in like total darkness. So um, so I think this is nice. It'll take composite or uh, VGA input, and actually its I think it's a perfect companion for uh, for an iPod, which they are demonstrating it with. So.
0: i got to check that out.
1: It's one of my picks. Check them out. Do
0: you, you remember how much it is, John?
1: Um, it's going to be available in the summer and well, here's the, the, uh, the pricing, I think it'll be under $500. So, wow.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's not bad. I mean, considering the technology that's, that's there. Yeah,
1: I mean, the wow. whole projector space is actually advanced. I mean, I remember when they were as big as a suitcase and now a lot of them you know, are very, very small, but this is the smallest that I've ever seen. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> the one here.
0: Right, yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> no worries about that thing walking off.
1: Okay, what do you got, Dave?
0: Uh, okay, so I'll start with um, with one of my favorite things that I've seen here, and that is Things. They are, it's a company called Cultured Code. They're over in the the shanty town behind the Apple booth there. (laughs) Task management is something that is uh, lacking on the Macintosh, simple task management. And and what they have done with Things, they just released it for both the Mac and the iPhone. Um, You input tasks into it, if you put them in on your phone, it automatically syncs when both apps are open on Wi-Fi on the same network. So you put them in either place. The best part about it is it has all these great organizational uh, abilities, and you can you can use uh, scheduled. You can tell it you can set a task and set not only a due date but a date when the task starts. Right. So let's say you um, you know you want to go buy the new iLife, right? But and you definitely want to have it by uh, February 1st when you've got to start making your presentation for something at work. But, you know, it's not going to be in the Apple Store until Friday. So no sense putting it on the to-do list now. I'm just going to keep pushing it off day to day. So you put a start date and then uh, a due date. It's got tags, categories, uh, all all kinds of stuff. And, And you can filter by anything. But the best part about it for me is the app is fully functional and won't get in your way if you don't want to use any of that stuff. If you just want to pump tasks in and tick them off on a list, just like you were writing them on a piece of paper, but instead of paper, you're putting them on a computer so that it, you know, in theory, is more reliable, uh, it works. And and, and, it, and the, the UI, the user interface, is is flawless for, for just putting tasks in and, and doing it. So perfect, perfect kind of thing for somebody like me. I don't want too much structure, I don't, I don't want an application to impose too much structure on me for this kind of thing, because I, I want to work my own way, and, and this app really seems to do it, so I'm, I'm excited to start using it on, uh, on both the things, so it's, uh, yeah, over there in Shantytown.
1: Okay.
0: i say that, um, 49 bucks for the app, I think, and 10 bucks for the iPhone app. And you can use them independently, they, it, one does not require the other um, You know, if you're comfortable managing your tasks on a piece of paper, then maybe the iPhone app is enough for you and and you don't need it on your Mac, so, yeah.
1: Okay. Um, Next, here's something neat that I saw. Um, I think this would be great for people that have a lot of old video on videotapes and stuff like that and want to convert it over um, to your computer. And, you know, you've seen that they have these devices that are dual VCR uh, DVD burners and stuff. So, um, But this is from Black Magic, and it's called the Video Converter. And what it is, on one side, it's a USB. Um, within it is a DSP that does all the uh, conversion and all that. And now the other side are video inputs. You can either do composite, S-video, or component video, which is the highest quality, so it's not HD. Um, But, you know, so so you have those three sources. Um, And it comes with software, that, and it does the encoding in real time. So, you know, obviously can't go faster than the, the thing plays back. But with these three of, uh, you know, these three inputs, um, it'll at the end of the conversion boil it down into, well, it also, the software asks you the device you want to send it to, so it'll, it'll scale it appropriately for an iPod, um, an Apple TV, or, you know, full resolution. Um, but I think it's neat. I believe it's 150, but it's an all-in-one video conversion solution, so if you got some old stuff on, you know, VCR tapes or something like that before they totally deteriorate, this would be a great thing to uh, help you move your stuff over to di- digital format.
0: Cool. That's awesome. All right, FileMaker. FileMaker 10. Yeah, FileMaker comes out with a new version every, you know, 16 months or whatever it is. And they add some new bells and whistles. And yeah, FileMaker 10 is a whole new world. Same fi- It's not a whole new world. It's the same world. They have... Let me step back a little bit. So FileMaker's been around so long and so many of us have been developing on it that we sort of became accustomed to the brick walls that existed in FileMaker and really even stopped complaining about them and just learned tricks for how to create databases that did things that we needed to do. And if you haven't ever developed a database in FileMaker, it it is very simple to to get involved, but you can do a whole lot with it. And, And we run... Um, our contact back end distributed contact back end for the Mac Observer on one and, and then with our advertising business BackBeat Media everything we do is on FileMaker all our invoicing everything and and we, we cooked them all up ourselves but there are brick walls in FileMaker and you, you kind of have to learn tricks and figure out you know cool things to go around them because programmers or developers got used to doing this and stopped complaining to FileMaker FileMaker really wasn't hyper aware of limitations in their in their development environment because nobody complained. They just sort of, okay, well it's you know, two o'clock in the morning and I gotta figure out how to do this. So I'm just gonna go ahead and do it. I you know I'm not gonna wait for FileMaker to come out with a new version or whatever. It's gotta be done. So they they started paying a lot more attention to 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 this through their support boards and that sort of thing. And they've added some great stuff. Uh, in Into FileMaker 10. Script triggers. So now when you go into a field, you can have it trigger a script to do anything. And previously, you kind of had to really find a back way around with weird validation scripts and that sort of thing. And, uh, and then they changed the user interface. So instead of it being this weird thing where there's this left sidebar that didn't really ever fit but made sense if you were used to FileMaker for 10 years so you didn't care about it. They moved it up to the top. Really what they did was they made all of us that have, have been developing in FileMaker for 10 years hate them because because it's great now and if only we were starting now. So they've created the barrier to entry for FileMaker. It was, it was low to begin with. But the barrier to entry for creating advanced apps in FileMaker is now even lower. And, and it really is a, a cool piece of software. Don't be afraid of it if you're, if you're thinking about databases. Um, you know, try out Bento if, if you want something very simple that's related to contacts or calendars or to-dos and linked in with, with your Mac. But otherwise, Fi- FileMaker's awesome. It, it's really, really easy to use. You just, so it's a gra- whole graphical thing. You're just dragging things around and putting them in place. So. It's
1: a great story. Okay, next, Uh, this is a product um, from Ecamm, uh, which they claim is the world, and I believe them on this, it's the world's first Bluetooth webcam. And it's pretty straightforward. It's a webcam, you can use it with iChat, you can use it with Skype, Um, and it uses Bluetooth, so you need a a recent machine that has what we call a Bluetooth 2.0 E.D.R., enhanced data rate, because Bluetooth, at least the early versions, is relatively slow. Uh, It does 640 by 480 and audio. Um, but I think it's really neat. It was actually kind of fun to watch the demo because people would pick the thing up and start running away with it. And you would see on the screen they were streaming to, you know, all this random video and stuff like that. Um, but I would think a neat thing to do with this also. Like I've, I've done this sometimes when I, I chat with friends with, with my MacBook is I'll give them like a virtual tour of my house. Of course, the thing that terrifies me is that I'm going to trip and drop my Mac and destroy it. So in this case, instead of destroying an expensive Mac, you drop a $150 Bluetooth cam and you're probably not going to destroy it. So uh, So that's pretty pretty innovative i think i think it'll go up to about uh one to three hundred feet depending on the bluetooth adapter if you use the built-in one in on the mac i think you get maybe a hundred feet if you use um a third-party bluetooth adapter you can get up to 300 feet but i think it's uh it's really neat
2: cool
0: security cameras baby monitors that sort of thing sure sure right.
1: but just then yeah it has a little tripod standard tripod stand so you can pretty pretty much put it anywhere you want
0: and it's battery powered you said
1: Yes, yes, So It has a rechargeable battery. I, I forget the battery life. Can, but you yes. pl-
0: can you plug it in? Do you know?
1: Well, I think if you plug it in, then yeah, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, the, OK, uh,
0: yeah, OK. Cool. <laughs> I got to pick something next, huh?
1: Yeah. Yeah, or I can do
0: another one. No, I, I'll i go. That's fine. We'll have you do two in a row in a minute. Um, <laughs> if they had a bed back here, I'd take a little snooze. No. <laughs> um, how many people here have iPhones? I know it's the Mac geek, guy, but yeah, OK. Uh, you're all using Google Mobile for iPhone, right? Yeah. Okay. It, it, that thing blew me away the first time I used it. I was, I da- I was in Austin. I had downloaded it that, you know one morning. I was going to meet a friend for dinner, and I was driving down Mopac in, in the rental car and wanted to look up the address. And so I put, Google, put the phone to my ear, and I said, Uncle Billy's, Austin, Texas. And by the time I had the phone in front of me, It had the phone number, which I could click and dial, a map, and the address right there. And I've I've probably used it a hundred times since then. It's gotten it wrong maybe five. And I've searched for some things that are non-standard words. I I don't know how it's doing it. My guess is what they're doing is it's taking what it thinks you said and cross-referencing that just like it does when you type something in and if there's a typo. It, it says, "Did you think you meant this?" And it just assumes that's what you thought you meant, and puts that up as as the guess. I, I don't know that, but it, it it's got to be. It's one of the coolest things I've ever used. It it really mm. takes advantage. I, and I think Google's actually breaking some rules with it. I don't think they I think they've got access to some APIs that not everybody else does. But uh, mm. but you know, hey, that's it's all else fair and love now, and re- iPhone
1: development. Now reportedly, and you know and these guys, guys are well, so but these guys are smart zero, zero because. Dollars. Well, I think what they're doing in this case, though, is that they're offering it for free, but what they're doing is trying to fine-tune their speech recognition engine. Because as far as I know what it does, it's beaming your audio to their server, tries to figure out what you're saying, and then come back, so comes back to you. Right. But the other thing I heard about is that apparently there was some controversy because reportedly they're using non-standard APIs. So that's what I was saying. Right, right. Yeah,
0: right. yeah. Cle- clearly, well, the guess is that Apple gave them some you know, hmm. access. But, you know, okay. Yeah. So what? Apple, standard Apple uses non-standard APIs for their apps. They can, Yeah. there's no <laughs> rules. Might, might okay. upset some other iPhone developers, but that doesn't seem to bother them. Mm-hmm. What's that? Proximity. It, it, the proximity thing, oh, well, right, 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 right. Thanks. Well, they said that you know they they also said, well, it's really using the accelerometer and it tells when it stops, but it doesn't. It's it's definitely using proximity because I I took it in the mm-hmm. air and I did this as though I'd put it up to my head and it didn't beep. So.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, um, I'm going to do two here because it's from the same company, but Bro, I can go through yeah, them no, quickly. That's good. Yeah, All yeah. right, so verbatim, which a lot of you guys know make, uh, you know, storage products and discs, and uh, I remember using their floppy discs. Anybody remember five and a quarter floppies? All right, <laughs> <Elephant. laughs> eight-inch in, eight floppies. Oh boy, okay, and I don't know what came before that. All right, um, so they have two things that you are neat. tapes tape okay, oh pit, pa- yes, yep. oh, and I remember yes i 've told a pe- few people the, the first computer that I used was a PDP eleven series when I was in middle school, and they did have a teletype with a paper tape reader, and oh, it was terrible. Um, well, no, the cool thing, someone actually geeked out even then, and they figured out not only how to read from the paper tape, which I think it, you know it was a thin tape and it had maybe seven holes, but someone figured out how to program it so we could make little banners so you uh. could punch in things and, th- and they were taped across the place and uh, yeah, those were the good old days. All right. So, two it, things. it took
0: 45 minutes to load BASIC, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, the, the, from what I recall, yeah, so a little tangent here, but um, from what I recall, yeah, you loaded BASIC off a of paper tape and it took a real long time, and these machines were rather sensitive to static, so if you zapped the machine, it would forget BASIC. And then I was one of the, uh, you know, little geeks in middle school that were, in, you know, always hung out in the computer room, and there, there were a few others of us, and one day they got this magical thing called an Apple II, and they brought us in the room and they switched it on, and BASIC was there. I'm like, where is it? They're like, oh, it's in this little chip. And from that point on, I decided I wanted to be an engineer because I wanted to figure out how does this work. It was just so cool. It was a quantum leap. I mean, going, going to a, you know, a little chip with uh, BASIC and ROM. I think it was a Microsoft BASIC, even back then. All right, so. Back on track here. Verbatim has two products. One is um, they call their speaker keyboard. And this is kind of an interesting keyboard. I haven't seen anything quite like it. So it's a regular external keyboard. Uh, the things that it has, though, as the name implies, is that it has speakers in it. So you can listen to your music or whatever through it. Uh, it has a little bass boost button if you want to boost the bass. It also has um, controls for iTunes. So if you want to do play, pause, forward and back, you can do that. But And what I thought was really interesting is just like on some of the MacBooks, it's backlit. So if you're into typing in the dark, you can now type in the dark and listen to your music. So that's a neat product. I don't recall the pricing off the top of my head. And then the other thing which I think has been kind of scarce in the Mac space is that, of course, there are flash drives galore. And actually, we like getting a lot of our press kits now. I mean, pretty much, we instead of lugging all this junk home, we, uh, or physical stuff home, we get a tiny little flash drive. And I have more than I know what to do with now. But they have what they call the store and go micro. Um, there are two, four, and eight gig versions. But what it has is both a public space where you can store your data and you know use the drive like you would want to when you want to share things with people. But it also has a private password protected and I'm going to gather encrypted area of the drive where, unless you provide the password, you can't get to the data. So, if you happen to use your flash drive for sensitive stuff and you lose it, um, this would probably be a good drive to have. Um, and I think it's reasonable. I believe the 8 gig version, I think it's about 50 bucks. So, um, you know, so if you, you know, you want to be security conscious, if there's anything on your flash drive you don't want to share with the world, maybe you want to check this product out. Cool. All right, toast 10 from Roxio
0: anybody a toast user here? any TiVo people here? yeah, okay um, so toast has added TiVo support in the fat in the past now Toast 10 allows you to directly publish uh, stuff from toast out to the TiVo so it, it's got a, a whole lot more interaction happening there. Of course, this is something you could do if you knew the magic keystrokes and knew how to hold your mouth just right, but they really they, they the 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 UI the interface for this is is revamped. I I, I don't have a whole lot to say about it other than it, I use Toast regularly and in, and Toast 10 now is it, it it's so much easier and uh, it's so much better to use. So uh, that's that's all I got to say. But go check it out. Excellent. It's good.
1: Okay. Oh, my writing is sloppy here. I I hope I get the name right here. Okay, Model Baker from Widget Press. Now I'd like to ask how many people does anybody here do iPhone development? Okay. Yes, it sounds like you, you've done some of the APIs. Now, I don't know about you, but I've, you know, I, I do C, I do VB, things like that. I, I would say that Xcode and interface builder and all that is probably not the best, not the most pleasant environment that I've worked with. I find that there's a lot of things that you got to kind of hand craft or know the, you know, the secret handshake uh, in the code if you don't want it to violently crash. Um, what these guys have is something that I think is kind of innovative. So, at first I thought this was another tool because right now I think Xcode is pretty much your only only option for developing iPhone apps. Um, These guys have a platform where they can build which is basically, it lets you build a web application which you access with a browser, but if you're accessing it with the iPhone, you cannot, it, it, it will be loading it in the browser, but it looks exactly like an iPhone application. It follows all the conventions, all the, it, it, you couldn't tell the difference. And I couldn't either until I asked the guy, I'm like, no, that's an iPhone app. He's like, no, it's a browser loading in Safari that's offering an app. Now, you can't do everything that you can through Xcode, but if you want to do any sort of database driven, um, you know, web service type applications, um, WidgetPress. stop by their booth. They're by the Apple booth in the developer pavilion. But, but the other thing is that you don 't have to go through the, the hassle of registering as a developer with, um, with Apple because i 'm actually still trying to go through that for, uh, for my day job, and it's uh, sometimes they take their sweet time in approving you. Um, now, the only downside is that I guess, yeah, your app will not appear in the app store it 's just going to be a, a web URL. but if you want to deploy an application to people through either a web browser or through an iPhone using the browser, then this looks like a nice product and, and i don 't think it 's too expensive um, i don 't have the pricing here but um, but check it out if you want to dive in and offer things that people want to use on their iPhone.
0: So I am a hack Photoshop user. I, I, <laughs> I, I am not good with the, with the software. I have to use it sometimes. And more often than not, when I have to use it what, it, what I need to do is I need to take a picture of someone and mask out the background and then lay it on something else, uh, you know, on some other background or maybe just a white background or something like that. And this is one of the hardest things in the world to do in Photoshop. Because, you know, take somebody like John, right? He's got all this cool hair happening on the top of his head. Well, you know, that against this background, that sucks to mask out, right? Because you're going around, you're zooming in, and you're moving the mouse. And I don't have a, a you know, a stylist because I'm not a Photoshop guy. You know, I don't, I'm not an art guy on the Mac. I, I, You know, I play the drums. I bang things. Uh, I'm not very good with the fine-tuning. So... Uh, I always hate that. Well, over in the South Hall, Fluid Mask 3, it's a Photoshop filter and it's built to do exactly this to the point where you, you just, you know, you pull in the picture. So I pull in John and this, this crazy background and then I'd, I'd kind of draw just very broad strokes just around his head to sort of, say, this is the area that I want to focus on and ignore everything outside of it. Okay, great. And then it does what it thinks it needs to do and then you fine tune a little bit. But again, you know, like, you know just pounding out broad strokes nothing you know it's no big deal and and then it the and these guys must be like math geniuses to have figured this stuff out and it doesn't take very long it goes through and it will preserve transparency in in like wisps of hair that are out there you know where where it's it it, it's not solid hair it is solid hair but the light's sort of shining through and the background shining through doesn't matter this thing will deal with it all and leave you with this, you know, this, this head, the floating head, right, out there, awesome stuff. I, like I said, I don't get really gaga about Photoshop things much because I don't use it, but that's why I got gaga about this thing, and I don't remember how much it costs, uh, so I apologize for that, but they are in the South Hall, um, on the right side, second row in from the right, about uh, uh, a third of the way toward the back, so. What? Was oh, that good? Is that okay? All right. Okay. Ah, Fluid Mask Three. Yep, go watch the demo. Um, they do much better than I do because I, I can wave my hands around. They've actually got the software and they can show you how it works and all that stuff. So it's, it's even cooler than what I'm doing here. So cool. I, I understand if you're just going to go leave now. So I would. It's it's it, the software is that cool. So okay,
1: you may want to try the magnetic lasso in Photoshop. Oh yeah, i tried it. I don't know that. if you see my mad Photoshop skills on my Twitter icon is that I've been able to put different hats on the apple that I'm holding. Uh huh. Yeah, it doesn't do. Per- it does a pretty good job, but yeah. no, this sounds like this goes beyond that.
0: Way beyond, yeah, yeah. But it's cool, is. and and your Twitter logo is cool.
1: Thank you. <laughs> All right, what do we got here next? Um, all right, this is pretty cool. Um, I think this is in the Dr. Bot area, and definitely go by Dr. Bot. I mean, they, they represent a lot of really, really cool vendors, uh, and a lot of these products here are from that, that area.
0: Yeah, they have um, their own, it's, it's like Shantytown, but it's like, like upscale Shantytown. They've got like a yeah, little path yeah. that you walk through. And, yes. And, but you know, I, and I said this the other day, I'll say it again, those little, it's those little developers that have those diamonds in the rough sometimes, you know, and, and I know you're going to tell us about one of them hmm? here. It, it well worth your time to just sort of snake through there and you know just kind of scope it out some of the stuff's going to be junk and some of it's going to be good but maybe irrelevant to you but there'll be those those little things where you say oh yeah Mm -hmm. that's what I've been looking for my whole life my life is now complete I can Mm -hmm. check out so
1: okay so the product here um it's from Thermopack and it's called Heat Shift. What this is, um, to reflect a bit now, especially for those of you who have MacBooks, um, if you've ever used it and placed it on a flat surface or sometimes like before I go to sleep, you know, I'll, I'll you know, be laying down and, and uh, you know, put it on my chest, but a lot of times the problem is, is that you're blocking the ability of the computer to radiate the heat from that, and a lot of times, like also, if I'm using it, like my dining room, and I put it on a plastic placemat. When I pull it off of that, the placemat's pretty warm, and the mat gets really hot. Now, it's not probably not going to destroy the machine, but it's probably not good for it. Uh, one solution is that I've seen a lot of companies offer these, you know, stands that'll elevate the machine, and then you get all the airflow. What these guys have though is a pad, um, and it's kind of uh, textured, so it provides some airflow. But then, what it has in it is this uh, secret proprietary. They wouldn't tell me what it was, but it's apparently some sort of crystal, and as it starts heating up and then start l- starts liquefying, so what it does, is it's a surface that you can put your Mac on, but it actually helps uh, dissipate the heat, and they claim that it'll, it'll knock about 10 degrees off of the temperature of the, uh, the machine. So um, so yeah, again, it can't hurt to help get the heat off of your Mac, because uh, I guess there is a potential if you, if you don't, if you block it, uh, that it could overheat and, uh, and it wouldn't be happy.
0: Well, the good news is when it does overheat, it just shuts off typically.
1: Yeah, there's Black. thermal. Uh, yeah, and uh, what is the one I use? Thermograph, I think it is. Thermograph 10. There's a utility that you can use that'll actually show you the temperature, all, all the temperature sensors in your Mac, and a lot of them have. I mean, they are like I think six or eight of them in a lot of Macs. There's one for the hard drive, the processor core A, processor core B, uh, things like that. So you can you can actually watch that yourself. And I'm you know I'm going to get one of these in the goodie bag that they're they're sending me, and I'm going to see if it does knock some uh, temperature off there. Cool. So I would imagine it, it it would certainly help extend the lifespan of your machine or just. Prevent catastrophe.
0: John's going to do one more. I Did am. You, or do you have two more? How many more do you have?
1: Uh, I got three more. All
0: right. So uh, he's going to do three more. I'm going to do one more, and then it's going to be question time. So uh, you know, get your thinking caps on, I and mean, we mean it. Anything, you know, if it's a question you would have called into the show or or anything like that, we're happy to. Uh, help. We had, we had fun with it the other day, so uh, we'll try it again here and see how it goes.
1: So. Okay. We, ha- we had fun, yes. <laughs> right. All right. All right. Orbicule Undercover. I don't know if you've heard of this. They've added a new feature. What this is is software that you install on your Mac, um, and it will basically help out in the event that your Mac is stolen and it'll do a number of things. So what they've added now, so, so what happens is that you install the software, you get a code, uh, and if your machine is stolen, you will call the company and they will start helping, you, and also, you know, probably call the police. They will start helping you track down the machine. Now, the feature that they've added uh, in the new version three, which is going to be available later this month, is the ability to use Skyhook wireless, and uh, some of you may be familiar with them. Skyhook is a service that the early iPhones use, the uh, iFi Explorer card uses, and it uses Wi-Fi base stations and cellular towers to help uh so it's kind of like GPS but it doesn't use GPS it uses different radio technologies um you know, sometimes it doesn't work uh, exactly, but it's better than nothing. So what they've done is added this ability. So what happens is once the machine's been reported stolen, these guys can activate this feature and then if it gets near any access point that Skyhook knows about, it'll give the latitude and longitude of where the machine is. That's a good piece of information. The other things it'll do is that on occasion it will uh, take a screen snapshot of the machine. So if the person's using the machine and they're emailing or chatting or something like that, you're probably going to figure out who they are. Um, Another thing it does is every once in a while it'll take a snapshot with the eyesight camera. So you're going to get a mugshot of the person that stole your machine. I think it's really neat software. Um, I believe it's only $49. So it sounds like a good deal. And then some of the other things it'll do, so if these things fail, then what happens is they invoke what they're calling uh, mode B and uh, what mode B will do, or plan B, they call it. What happens is that they'll send a signal to the machine and what will happen is the brightness of the screen will decrease over the course of 30 minutes until it goes totally black. Why would you do that, of course? Because then the person's going to think it's broken and they're going to bring it to a repair shop. Once they bring it to the repair shop and it gets on the network, it's going to phone home using the prior technologies. And then I think what happens is that um, once that mode is invoked and the machine is turned on again, it'll paste a big message on the screen saying, I've stolen. Please call the company here and, um, because this machine is stolen. And the, the thing that I got a kick out of is that reportedly uh, I didn't listen to a demo, but it'll also scream out this message using audio messages saying, I'm stolen. <laughs> so, so you know, um, it's uh, Orbicule as the company and it's called Undercover and the new version is 3. And that'll be coming out uh, on the 20th. Uh, so it sounds really neat. Um, and you know, Macs are certainly attractive targets to uh, to steal. So for fifty bucks, I think it's a great piece of insurance. Um,
0: they've, they've got a, a a story on their website where they they actually show pictures that it, that you know a stolen machine took and sent and phoned home with and, and all that good stuff. It was it's actually mm-hmm. pretty cool. So I think it's what, orbicule.com, dot com. I think.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, and actually, we just posted an article about it, so you can you can go to MacObserver.com and get get the details. But I pretty much covered it. all right, another thing here from Blue, um, I saw this very quickly, but it looks kind of neat if you have a, I don't believe it works with the latest iPhone or iPod, but with prior ones, but um, Blue, is, as you may know, makes a lot of really quality microphones, and this is called the Blue Mikey Portable Recorder. What it is, is, as the name implies, it's a portable recorder and playback for your iPod. So if you'd like to record audio notes with your iPod, this will let you do it. It has three different gain settings from, uh, well, it has three different gain settings depending on if you're talking close or trying to record a room full of people, uh, and it'll also let you uh, listen. So it also acts as a speaker. Um, they're kind of tiny, um, but if you're in audio notes, this is a product that'll let you do that.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. Any more?
0: Yeah. Well, you, you oh. have one more, but I'll, let me, I'll do one. Well, that's my last one. one. Oh, that's the last one.
1: That, that's that my last one. one. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll do this. Have you guys ever used uh, Slingbox? Do you know what it is? Yeah. So okay. So I'm well, getting tell, some tell yes tell and I, no. Know, yeah. I don't know what it is. Tell okay. Me. Um, The idea is you have your your TV set up at home and you probably get a DVR and uh, recording shows for you and maybe a DVD player. And and then you get your your cable signal coming in. And then you go travel somewhere. And obviously, we all travel at least to some extent or we wouldn't be here. And you're staying in a hotel. And, you know, it's nighttime, and there's nothing else to do. And you go to turn on the TV, and in the hotel, they get, like, weird. Why is it that hotels get weird channels? I mean, it's like hotels get channels that seem like like 20 years ago cable. Why, I mean, we have thousands of channels in our homes, and hotels have, like, six. Why is that? But anyway, what's that? They don't, I guess they don't want to pay for it. But even if I pay, like, nothing at home, they'll send me, you know, 40 channels or something. In a hotel, you can't get it. It's weird. But anyway... Uh, so the slingbox, what it does, is it attaches to your setup, and really you kind of plug it in, like it's a television. Uh, so all the outputs from your, you know, your DVR, if it's a TiVo, or even your Apple TV, right, all go into the slingbox, and then the slingbox goes to your television, and it also has uh, infrared sen- uh, transmitters. And what it does is you go, and then you plug it into your network. I think, I think you have to do it wired. Um, but, uh, so you plug it in, you wired into your network, and then you, from your hotel room, you get online with your computer, and you log into your Slingbox, and then it brings up a little remote control, and you start pushing buttons, and you turn on your DVR, or you turn on your Apple TV, and you say play, and what it's playing appears streamed over the internet on your computer. Well now, they have two things. Now they've got it in HD, assuming you have the bandwidth to stream HD. And it works really well. I've done this before. I don't have one, but a friend of mine does. And, uh, and I've, I've done it before. In fact, I used it here at Macworld last year. If anybody listened to that crazy, long, raving podcast we did about uh, me trying to watch that Patriots game here. Mm-hmm. And I finally watched it on a friend's uh, Slingbox back at home. But now they've got a client for the iPhone. So do the same thing with your iPhone. Get the remote going and then just sit there and watch. So... It it's pretty cool, and uh, I, it, it's one of those things. Like we don't have one. I keep thinking, gosh, you know, I don't travel a whole lot, but sure would be cool. The only the only drawback, of course, to the slingbox is it is actually controlling your home entertainment center. So if there's someone at your house and they turn on the television, you might have like remote wars going and, and that sort of thing. So you need to coordinate that with your uh, with the uh, the people back at home. But that's. Uh, you know, but it could be nice. You could uh, watch a, a show with your spouse, right? You're here, they're there, and, you know, whatever, right? It's like a nice little moment together. What's that? Apple's Apple has approved it? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sling for the iPhone, yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Great. And then the last thing I have on my list here, um Mattias, M-A-T-I-A-S. Matias. Matias. I think so. Okay, that sounds reasonable. Um, They've introduced something new. So they've made for a while a folding keyboard, which uh, basically folds in half. You know, it's nice and portable if you need to bring a keyboard on the road. What they've introduced at the show here is a version that does Bluetooth. So if you uh, happen to need a wireless Bluetooth keyboard and you don't want to lug around a full-size one, but it expands to a full-size one, and I tried typing on it, and it is full-size. I I was able to type at full speed. So... um, so if you want it, like if you have a mini or something like that, and you want to have a, or, or even your, I don't know why you'd want another keyboard for your MacBook Pro, but some um, people don't
0: like the keyboards in the new MacBook Pros. No,
1: no. Okay, but well, this this has a nice feel, so no. you know, check it out. But but so Bluetooth is a new feature with their uh, portable keyboards now.
0: All right, so it's question time. So while you're all walking up to the mic, there is one thing I want to tell all the uh, listeners at home, assuming this is getting recorded. Uh, Michael Johnston has not been converting the last uh, several episodes of the podcast to AAC. Brent Cameron, uh, who on Twitter is Truck Lover, has been, and he's been doing a great job. But apparently, there's still a bug in the iPhone, nah, iPod 3G series, that if it has an AA a mono AAC file, that is. Um, not a consistent bit rate so a variable bit rate as soon as you start playing the show it will crash and so the last three podcasts hmm. you got one can you confirm that it did this okay all right well he has, he has now reconverted them with a uh, static bit rate and they're all uploaded so you can go re-download the AACs for the last three shows and, and hopefully those will work let us know find Brent uh, a truck lover on twitter if, uh, if you need help, and he can, he can help you too, because we're sort of running around and I might not get your email right away. So, All right, you've got a question. That mic should be live.
2: Hello, it's live, yeah. All right, say so name. My, my name's Mike. Hi, Mike. And uh, I've got two questions. The first one's simple. Have they made the scripting in FileMaker 10 any more straightforward? Because I've always found it to be just a completely opaque. Um,
0: I'm going to guess I mean it's sort of a judgment call they've made some changes to it but no it, it's still FileMaker scripting so okay uh, yeah yeah. it is what it is
2: okay a yeah. real question now uh, I have a MacBook Air and I have never been able to get it to network on a reliable basis with anything I go to Starbucks I go to various Starbucks one of them a lot of times it'll be you know you hook up to the router you try to and it'll say it needs a wet password well it doesn't need a password because I can do it, even get it on my iPhone hmm. and then i go to the other Starbucks, it doesn't do that. Uh, and then I haven't been able to get it to use that little adapter for Ethernet, the USB to Ethernet adapter, I've tried three of them, it always says it's not connected. I've, uh, is there something I can trash or reset or something to see, it's other than just Nuke and Pave, which is what Apple suggested I do? I,
0: I, I, would, I, would, I would bet that Nuke and Pave would solve this problem, and I don't think it's hardware, because it's happening with two different network devices. So either you've got a really weird fry on your motherboard, right? Or or mm. it's it's software. But yeah, no, I would think... What I would do is i go into the, the uh, system preferences, into network,
2: yeah. and
0: delete everything you see there. And then if it doesn't automatically re-add Ethernet and airport and all that, just manually re-add them in. I, I, that would be the first place to start. Otherwise, I'm sure there's... The, the driver files out there that you could replace, maybe in, reinstall a combo updater? Yeah, I
2: am. Um, Have you tried I've that? I've tried. I've tried a couple of Yeah, times
0: okay, all right, so yeah. that didn't do it. All right, so yeah, go yank the, I think, right, yank the devices out?
1: Yes, that was a, what I was going to suggest. Okay. Another thing I was thinking of also is that I believe this is one of the class of machines where if you start it up and you hold D, that the diagnostics are on the machine itself, the oh, okay. system diagnostics, it may find something. It, it could be a flaky, yeah, it sounds like it could be a flaky hardware problem. Again, I'm software, so I always blame the hardware. But um,
2: right, it does seem to be reliable. If I go to this Starbucks, it doesn't work. But if I go to that Starbucks, it does work. Well, no, not, they, not work, all but they all have you free can, Wi-Fi. But you, yeah. they all you can get onto the the router. That's you still true. have to yeah. sign in and pay for it. But you have right. to, yeah, it won't even get to the Safari login yeah. screen. Mm. Yeah,
1: yeah. Huh? Now, is it? Uh, I'm curious. Is it? Uh, does it only happen with? Oh no! I'm sorry. You said the, so. These are unencrypted connections. I'm just wondering if it's maybe based on a. No, no. These are know. all
2: unencrypted connections. Okay. That, you know. Um, that
0: have I you know. tried a separate user account?
2: Yeah, I've tried that. Okay. It Still doesn't work. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. Mm.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: I, I wouldn't ex. I wouldn't have expected this separate. But sometimes, if it's, you know, uh, yeah. It, this is one level deeper than that. I think. I just yeah.
2: didn't want to completely redo my do my whole system again. You know,
0: I. I did that back when I got my MacBook Pro earlier, well, middle of last year. It's not as bad as you think. Or at least it wasn't as bad as I thought. I had avoided it for like five years. I mean, I really, it, and it was time. It took like three hours to, you know, get the apps installed. Yeah. It's like, huh, or, I should have done this a long time ago. Or,
1: you know, if you got a Genius Bar nearby, you know, make an appointment, see with wow. it. Because it should still be under warranty, I think, right?
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, it's definitely awesome
2: under warranty. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I like that. All right. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Mike. Uh Uh-oh, he's got it written down. We're in trouble, John. (laughs) Well, I... Yeah, just get close to the mic just so the people at home can,
4: can I'm not real you. technical savvy, so I wanted to make sure I wrote down the responses I was getting. Um, this has to do with certificates again. I know you've been talking about them a lot lately.
0: Mm-hmm. We've, had, we've um, had people say they're going to unsubscribe if we talk about certificates oh, again. Oh, sorry. That's all right.
4: I don't think you've addressed this what, particular issue. What's, what's your name? Issue. Bill.
0: Bill. Okay, yeah. so everybody blame uh, Bill. Yes.
4: <laughs> um, I, uh, I have a new domain, and uh, a, a certificate came up. With a gold border, and um, it, it was asking, uh, it, it's, it was indicating that the certificate may or may not be valid, and should I uh, should I accept it? And then I followed the instructions uh, in the Apple uh, help uh, menus to. Uh, to get it into the keychain permanently, and um, when it came up to add to it, uh, it suddenly had a blue border instead of a gold border. And I know that that had some significance. I had read somewhere a couple weeks ago yep. that it had. Anyway, uh, so that was kind of weird. I thought, um, but anyway, uh, it would. When I tried to add it, it the response was unable to import. It's already ex- it's already an existing item in the keychain. So. I thought, well, I'll I'll toss it, and then and then bring it back in, Could. and I got the same response yeah. again. Um,
1: okay, there is off the top of my head, I believe there's something called keychain repair. I believe it's either a separate utility or I think it's an option within the keychain utility. It, it, yeah, it sounds like it's corrupted. So, so try. Uh, I believe that's what it's called. I don't have the utility in front of me, but I know there's some sort of repair.
4: The certificate itself is corrupted.
1: Well, the, the, it sounds to me like the, maybe the keychain. Well, the certificate's stored okay. in the keychain, but if the keychain has some inconsistencies in the data, um, this this could help fix it. So okay. that key that would repair, be my suggestion. Okay.
0: All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teeter off the Thank cliff you. in the dark here on this one, John. So I need your I need your help because I don't have a computer in front of me, but I know when I started mucking around with certificates on my machine once, doing something just like you're talking about, I couldn't get it to accept the certificate without asking me every time. And what I finally realized is I had gone into the keychain preferences, and I think for certificates there's something called OCSD validation or verification or something and I had changed those settings from their defaults because it sounded like the right thing to do and, and I was wrong uh, it, it, it ruined my life for, for about four hours while I fought with this thing. And then uh, and I set them back to the defaults and then everything was fine. So it's somewhere, it, it's OCSD, does that sound like something to do with certificates? Uh, I mean, it sounds good, yes. but okay. I'm trying to
1: remember what that stands for, but I think that there are a number okay. of methods where you can check with someone to see if a certificate is valid. Right. One is called the CRL certificate revocation list and I think OCSD is a different protocol to do that. And I think I've run into the same thing. A lot of times if you enable either of those things, Though they should work, I think a lot of times they don't. I think that was your conclusion: is disable any sort of checking for.
0: Yeah. So turn the. They sound like the right thing to be on. And I guess in a perfect world, right? But we're not there, so yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I knew if I wandered off the cliff in the dark, John would save me.
1: (laughs) Sir. Sorry. uh, (laughs) The ears just cracked me. Yeah, it's a birth defect. Sorry. <laughs>
0: Just for the listeners uh, at home? Well, you had to be here.
3: <laughs> the man has pink bunny ears on his head. Okay.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: come on. We could have left that out. Uh, it would have been funny. No,
3: the birth defect is believing I can win stuff by wearing pink bunny ears. <laughs> <not the
0: problem. laughs> that, see, that's funny.
3: <laughs> um, uh, my name is Mark. Um, I have one of the uh, the uh, earliest MacBook Pro Intels. Um, actually got it shortly after the announcement uh, several years ago here. I've um, got Boot Camp installed on it. Occasionally have to go over to the Windows side, so I reboot, no problem. Ew. Uh, usually on the Windows side involves updating viruses and. You know, installing uh, service packs and such, which I have to do occasionally. And then, of course, I'm tired of that. And so I go back to the Mac side. So I reboot normally. um, And it's defaulted to boot in the Mac. So it starts up on the Mac side. And I get this bizarre color display. um, Kind of grays and greens and like the the setting or the bit setting has been set differently on the computer and I go into the display uh, preferences, it says the bit settings are set correctly. And so I go, well, maybe it's something about switching back and forth between Mac and Windows. Go back and reboot on the Windows side. Now, Windows is displaying this bizarre color thing. Changing the display settings in Windows does nothing. It says it's set correctly. So,
0: How, how um, do you get it back?
3: Um, sometimes is, I just... Or is that the question? Well. <laughs> No, sometimes I, I just boot back and forth. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh huh. And. Shake it real
0: hard? Well. Wash it with mm-hmm. hot soapy water?
3: Well, when it first happened, I thought the display was, you yeah. know, shot. Um, uh, occasionally, this doesn't always work, but doing the, the essentially zapping the pram and letting it go three times, right. that doesn't always work. It uh-huh. seems that going back and forth seems to um, get it straightened out. It's just very annoying having to boot and boot and boot. And. So I'm just mystified. It does not always happen. It just happens occasionally, so. Hmm. If you. But it it
1: doesn't
0: happen unless you have switched,
3: right? That's right. If I I, normally stay on the Mac side and reboot, no problem. If you never went
0: to Windows, it wouldn't happen. That's right, it's
3: just switching to the Windows side. I'm I'm about ready just to pull the plug on Boot Camp and go to Parallels so I don't have to do the reboot, so. Because
0: if it was happening any time, then we'd start to blame hardware. But if it's only going back and forth, it's harder to blame hardware, Mr. Software Engineer.
1: Yeah, that, uh, that was my suspicion. Well, one thing I was going to uh, ask you or suggest is if you if you boot off of something other than the hard drive, like either a DVD or an external hard drive, that could help isolate it down to it. could be a flaky graphic chipset. I don't, I don't know. It,
0: yeah, I mean, it still could be, because it, it's possible that... The Mac is is sending at um, a certain refresh rate, right? You know, you see that in there, 75 hertz or 60 hertz or whatever it is. So if it's sending it, say, 75 hertz, and the Windows side is set to 60, I know it's an LCD display, and really the display shouldn't care, but
3: it, it, the color scheme kind of reminds me of the old Windows safe. Yeah. mode where the I colors agree. are all screwed up when you start oh, up in it, but both sides seem to say from the operating system that it is set the way I set and, it.
0: And if you set it to something else and then it, go back, it, it doesn't it, matter?
3: It, it does its usual thing of flashing the screen, Sure, but it's just showing the same old thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, toss the display pre- preferences file. Yeah. Start, start fresh with that, maybe.
0: It only happens coming from Windows to the Mac? Is what, would start it? Yeah,
3: that's right. Mm. It doesn't happen going from Mac to Windows. So I don't know if the okay, Windows so does be, something. Okay, so it could be software.
0: And yeah. so it comes up and looks okay, and then during boot up is when this happens?
3: Absolutely. Mm.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, so so that, that, that almost, that could be software. I could see that. Um, a combo updater. Okay. Um, mm. You already zapped the PRAM.
3: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it only happens oh, hardware so, so it's hardware not enough it. to throw the yes. machine away yet. I do
1: believe they stress the uh, the video hardware. Yeah, so you you got it on probably your, your install uh, CDs or DVDs.
3: I, I think, yes. That's yeah, right. if you that's hold right.
1: down D, I think, while you're booting that, that it'll start that. And that, that I think, goes through a lot of different funky patterns, and it may identify a problem.
0: Yeah, because if that triggers it into it, then you'll know it is hardware, and it's some... You know, path with right because because if you do the video test, it's going to go through a jillion different modes, mm. and so if that kicks it over, then you know it's not software because you're running it for new diagnostics.
3: Well, next time when it randomly happens, I'll try those things. Okay. Yeah. yeah there you go. Thanks. And the other
1: thing is, you, you know, it may be just about time for a new Mac. Next <laughs> year. I don't know if I get the 17th to Apple the new shareholder.
0: <laughs> yep. All yeah. right. Any other questions, or are we? Uh, I think we get time for yeah, one more maybe. Oh, here he comes, here he comes. Hey.
1: Ranger Lefty from the Black Rock Rangers again. <laughs> anyway, a uh, real simple question. Um, in 25 words or less, what do you think is the future of Macworld Expo without Steve
0: and without Apple? 25 words or less.
1: <laughs> John? Um, well, I didn't get any, get any Steve time. The, the, this, this show? No, I've never gotten Steve time. Um, personally, I I haven't even visited the Apple booth, I'll be honest. Uh, everything that I found is interesting and cool. If you'll notice, nothing on the list here was from Apple. Um, I personally don't believe that the lack of Apple would uh, would make the show any less enjoyable. I mean, I meet the, you know, hang out with the same people every year, have a great time, find new, innovative uh products, uh, go to some great parties, uh, things like that. I don't see Apple's presence or lack of presence as influencing that at all. Unfortunately, um, it's almost turning into a self-fulfilling prophecy is that we did have, I think, two major vendors, shame on them, Adobe and Belkin, bow out at the last minute. Uh, What I'm afraid of is that if too many people bow out, it's going to snowball, and then everybody's going to bow out. And uh, so so I'm hoping the vendors will will, – now, I know trade shows are hard to justify uh, from an ROI standpoint. It it may not be the most effective way to spend your money in order to gain customers and and make money, um, especially in these trying economic times. Um, I think
0: you've used your 25 words.
1: Yeah, there could have been a few more. (laughs) I'm sorry. But but I had to get the thought out. Yeah, no, no, no. So uh, what do you think?
0: Well, I'm going to, even though he borrowed my 25, I'm going to, all I'll say is he's right. There's no reason it can't work without Apple, but we all have to remind everyone else of that, especially the vendors and all the other attendees, because let's face it, it's chicken and the egg. Vendors, aren't going to come if they don't think attendees are going to be here. And attendees aren't going to come if they don't think the vendors are going to be here. So, you know, next year, IDG and any of us that want to help them need to uh, really sell that, that, yeah, we're coming and it doesn't matter to us that Apple's not here. So there you go. The other Steve's
1: here, too. Uh, yeah, yeah the, the other Steve's The here, good, right? Steve. Yes. good Steve. The good Steve. Oh, no, the other Steve's good, too.
0: Any, uh, any, any last question? Or are we? Uh, I, I think they're going to kick us out of here anyway, but... Uh, we can, uh, we can muscle oh, a Somebody
1: bit. reminded me today on Twitter. Oh. How do you get in touch with us? Oh. oh. Um, now well, I'm not reading from a script. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, one way is to call us at 206 666 geek, which is 4335. I think you can email us
0: feedback at com, And you can um, Skype us to. Uh, Macgeekgab? That's right. Okay. How'd you guess that? Mm. <laughs> and we always like.
1: iTunes comments. There you go. And. um... Yeah, give us one or two more, because we, we really want to trounce Christensen. <laughs> I, I went to a Bird of Feather session yesterday, and, and the thing is, somebody brought this, I, I was like a half an hour late, I wasn't sure if it was over. As soon as I walked in, I think it was Allison, thank you Allison, um, mentioned this, a- Adam was not aware of this, so as soon as I walked in the room, he saw me and he went, you! <laughs> and everybody turned around and looked at me, and I was like, so, what did I do? So... I got to awesome. get back at him. So, uh, That's great. No, but listen to Adam, too. Adam, Adam does yeah. a fine podcast. Yeah. So uh, thanks. I think our shows
0: complement each other nicely, actually.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. All right. Thanks, everybody.
2: Don't get caught. <laughs>